1: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by E.P. Wealth.
2: Big week of economic data. Uh, Ending with Friday's jobs report. We're going to see consumer spending, which is a big part of our economy. A very large part. 70% plus. Um, How's the consumer holding up? On top of it, we end with jobs. Private hiring, we learned today, increased by just 127,000 jobs in November, well below estimates. Leisure and hospitality saw an increase of 224,000, but that was offset by losses in manufacturing, professional and business services, financial activities, and information services. I don't get into a lot of the nitty-gritty on the show on ADP numbers. I were to choose one of the two, three type of numbers you can do a week. First time unemployment claims, private hiring with ADP, ADP is a payroll processor, so they see all this data. <clears throat> or Friday jobs report, I'd say the Friday jobs report is more important one to me, the first Friday of every month. Um, we do need to see unemployment move higher to potentially fight inflation as the best way of fighting inflation. If people don't have jobs, they don't have paychecks. I know I'm a heinous human being for saying that out loud. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. right? I've said that people must lose jobs. DoorDash said it's cutting about 1,250 jobs or 6% of its total workforce. Again, to you, that looks like, oh, that company must not be doing well. To me, I'm looking at it like, yeah, they probably had too much fat. Because they're not doing well with the staff that they have. Food delivery company looks to keep a lid on cost, cope with a slowdown in demand. DoorDash went on a hiring spree to cater to food uh, orders or a flood of food orders might be the right way of putting it. I'm hearing more and more stories about companies readjusting to pre-pandemic numbers versus what they got during pandemic numbers. This is a great example of that. There's a sudden drop in people willing to get food delivered as they fear inflation. And people are dealing with grappling costs. I missed yesterday with, I think, a flu. Tested for COVID. It wasn't that. Um, might be an ear infection. I'm not quite sure. Can't hear out of my one ear today, but it was a rough day yesterday. But I'm back. I'm biggie biggy biggie biggity, biggity back. Let's talk about what we're seeing. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was down a slight percentage One half of 1%. The NASDAQ was down fractions. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 0 point zero one percent that's not much but it's you still got to say it's a winner stocks continue to drop right now as investors are watching soccer when the US men's national team was playing in 2010 equities traded trading plunged 43% yesterday there wasn't a lot of trading either it's kind of bizarre but the East Coast loves soccer I don't want to say a lot more than the West Coast, but they shut down any excuse. It's like, hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. Let's let's not go to work today. Let's go to the bars and drink. Hey, there's a soccer game today. Let's go to the bars and drink. A little bit more of a thing. Um, that was an exciting match yesterday. I hope you watched it. And if you didn't, maybe you watch Saturday morning's match at 7 o'clock. Um, I just, I think it's, to me, it's the most watchable game. Um, I know, I know. Baseball's not it. or You know, baseball's a little on the long, slow side. Football, I don't want to knock American football. Don't want to knock it, but it's not my thing. So, Captain America, Christian Puslik, the U.S. men's national team defeated Iran to advance to the knockout round of the World Cup. Um, one of the things that really came out of yesterday, we saw that Tyler Adams, the um, captain of the American team, got grilled by Iranian reporters. Adams, who is black and very, very young. Um, was asked whether he felt comfortable representing a country that discriminates against black people. And his response was beautiful. He's got a white mother, um, adopted. America's been good to him. He thinks it's getting better year over year. But it was really aggressive. Um, And Tyler Adams could have said something like a jerk, like, yeah, you know, for sure I catch a lot of flack having the color of my skin being darker than... Caucasian, he could have said that he could have said something along the lines of, um, you know, in Iran, you you stone people to death. So I don't want to hear your stuff. But it really was really quite tense. And it shows you that's a problem. There are certain countries in the world that don't like America, our wealth, particularly. They see it as flaunting. And I think we could sum them up. Uh, Many countries in the Middle East, China and Russia. Other than that, we're pretty well liked. Um, I could be incorrect because I'm politically pretty stupid or naive, I guess is a better way of saying it. But there's always going to be those kind of hot spots in the world that could flare. The Senate passed a landmark marriage equity bill, equality bill, not equity, equality bill, bipartisan support. The Senate passed the Respect for Marriage Act, which offers protections for same-sex marriage and interracial marriages. Democrats worked quickly to pass this bill after hints that the Supreme Court could roll back its 2015 decision. Congress is moving to avert a rail strike, which is pretty interesting because this is going to kind of be a negative for the Biden administration. He is viewed as pro-union, and this is considered non-pro-union, to step in and say, guys, keep working and figure out a way to, to figure this out. Taking away the union's power to strike, essentially. Um again, uh the politics of the of investing it's not my favorite Apple music was again overshadowed by Spotify. It was supposed to be a day to celebrate uh, Apple music. The platform launched an updated version of replay its own version of Spotify wrapped to shows users, their top artists songs genres, and much much more. But if you were on social media, you barely knew it was there so um. Apple continues to struggle with Spotify, but once you get out of Spotify, you go to Google Music and you're like, eh, eh, right? But the AI, the artificial intelligence that Apple and Spotify are able to use, they really make a good playlist out of your listening habits. So I refer to it kind of as an instant gratification, um, you know, lollapalooza. Musk seems to be ready to start a fight with Apple, which Elon Musk is clearly leaning Republican. Um, I don't think that's a sh- uh, surprise statement from me, but he, he stepped into the long, simmering war with Apple. And the Twitter CEO alleged that Apple threatened to boot Twitter from its app store and called out Apple for censorship and for its notorious uh, Apple store fees. Apple takes a 30 percent cut of every purchase within the company's apps. That would include the $8 monthly fee that Musk plans to charge for verification on Twitter. Um, Tim Sweeney, the CEO out of Epic, who owns Fortnite games, or Epic Games, who owns Fortnite, has gone to the mattresses over the fees. His company sued Apple for over the 30% fee, pretty much so lost the case. Spotify CEO Daniel Eck said last month that Apple is choking competition after Spotify's audiobooks app was rejected from App Store three times for allegedly not following App Store rules. Will Sweeney and Eck ultimately be overjoyed that Musk joins them? I don't know. If if Twitter turns into this crazy mess of dirty words and dirty phrases and hate and anger and violence. If I were Apple, I'd say, I don't want you on my product. Um, You're embarrassing us. We're trying to be a good, clean family cut. It's going to be interesting, right? You can see this one getting nasty with uh, Congress. And uh, they got another wealthy, deep pocket person to go against Apple. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.
1: What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's RobBlack.com, powered by E.P. Wealth.
2: You know how a lot of people are focusing on Twitter, CEO Elon Musk and Twitter, I'm sorry, Um, Tesla CEO Elon Musk and Boring Company CEO Elon Musk and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk. I forgot, like, just doing these stories so regularly. What about Neuralink, right? Neuralink, where he's putting semiconductors in the brains of monkeys, I'm probably minimalizing that um, to potentially, you know, let. People benefit from this research um, of using our limbs after we've been paralyzed and other situations uh, that we haven't even thought to diagnose at this point. But Elon Musk Neuralink, the startup working on technology that allows humans to control computers with their thoughts, is set to showcase a show and tell event this Wednesday. If I'm correct, that is today. Um, He started the company in 2016, the startup plans to implant devices in human brains, to treat neurological disorders such as uh, quadriplegia, the paralysis of all four limbs. Neuralink has so far been sparse with details on what we can expect during his last demo in 2021, the company showed a video of a monkey playing a video game pong using a Neuralink device. This is getting really science fiction, isn't it? Neuralink is working with to build a brain computer interface that lets people control a computer and mobile device wirelessly with their mind just by thinking about it. If the technology comes to fruition, it can be especially promising for people with paralysis and other neurological diseases, disorders, disorders. Excuse me. Um, does Elon Musk still own Neuralink? Musk was one of the eight founding members in Neuralink in 2016. Since then, all but one of Musk's co-founders have left the company. That's interesting, right? Because Elon Musk has recently had to overly state, oh, I'm the founder of Tesla. And he's not the founder of Tesla. He was an investor in Tesla where the original uh, founders basically quit because it started becoming too expensive to play with. Startup is the fifth company Musk runs with Twitter, Tesla, SpaceX, and The Boring Company. Um, So we're going to get a little bit of something today. Keep in mind, it's not FDA approved. Uh, Does Neuralink test with monkeys? The company works with monkeys and pigs. Um, The Rights Nonprofit Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine filed a lawsuit against the University of California, Davis, for its invasive and deadly brain experiments it conducted on 23 monkeys for Neuralink. I don't have a really good opinion on this one. I think we see the business model Starlink uh, works really well with SpaceX. Internet anywhere in the world. If you're in the Antarctic and there's no cell towers, you can get Internet. If you're in the Amazon, there's no cell towers, you can get Internet. If you're in the boonies um, of the Sierras, you can get Internet. So we see some business models and doing, obviously putting up satellites for other companies and we see the business model, the whole tourist space thing. I don't think is a business model, but we'll see what Elon Musk has up his sleeve for this one. Home prices are continuing to decline. Um, I got into this a little bit on Monday, but I want to get a little bit more into it. One of the areas where I think home prices are going to get hit the most is in tech heavy areas the tech industry's correction where you're seeing facebook and amazon at jobs aggressively not so much at google and apple but maybe that bleeds over in that area the tech industry's correction is having an outsized impact on home prices in the bay area and the pacific northwest but price declines in the rest of the country are less severe So you know how they say real estate's all about location, location, location? I agree. When you hear 1,600 people losing their jobs at DoorDash and you hear 10,000 people at Facebook, you're starting to go, okay, those are people that have jobs. Now, many of them are in Twitter, losing a large part of their workforce, right? Um, It can have an effect on real estate prices and even rental prices as people don't find other jobs and they go back to their hometowns in Kansas or Missouri or um back to the south sal- i don't know you get the idea because real estate's about demand and location in my opinion yesterday we saw the S&P case shiller 20 city composite index showed that the housing market sputtered further in september with prices falling 1.2 percent month over month that's the third straight decline as higher borrowing costs continue to push aside potential buyers and slow demand and while annual price growth is still holding up in the double digits, up 10.4% year over year, it's slowing pretty quickly because it was at 20% earlier in the year. Um, Louis Navalier, who was one of my worst interviews ever on this show. I used to do interview fund managers 15 years ago, and I found that they were just too much of a pain in the butt to work with. I'd be getting calls from secretaries 10 minutes before he was supposed to come on and say, Mr. Navalier can't come on right now. And when he was on, he was just, he didn't want to be on. You could tell that he figured out I wasn't the show that for him, I wasn't CNBC or Bloomberg. But he has an interesting quote on housing. He says, As home prices cool, the owner's equivalent rent component and consumer price index is expected to moderate, which will be one of the keys to helping fighting inflation. Okay. I'm with him. Eugenio Alamon, chief economist, Raymond James. Wow. Raymond James was a, a very southern brokerage firm in the 1990s i'm not going to say i didn't realize they're still around because i knew they're around i just haven't seen their name in a long time but he said it's clear that the slowdown in housing market continues but the weakness is not homogenous across the country in fact six out of the nine regions of the country saw home prices increase in september compared to the previous month while all of them saw home prices increase on a year-over-year basis every region of the country saw home prices increase compared to a year earlier the highest year-over-year increase in home prices was south atlantic region up 15.2%. The East-South region, an increase of 14%. The West-South-Central, up 11.1%. The East-Northern region up 10.4%. The Middle Atlantic up 10.1%. Yeah, I would say that real estate's still um, pretty darn good. If you look at it on a... um, If you look at it on a um year over year basis and not I is a peak in that year over year. I pick it up when I'm putting down. So um the weakness is something you have to be comfortable with. Same like with a stock market pullback. I own a couple of homes, maybe a little bit more because I have a rental and things like that. Um but I'm not expecting to be at 52-week highs every year. But 10% growth year-over-year, year, no, it's not 20% year-over-year. Year, but 10% is still pretty darn good. Now, it's a little bit worse in tech areas, for sure. Um, and that's to be expected, because tech areas probably got hotter than the rest of the country. You can find me online at Rob Black show, Twitter Rob Black show, YouTube Rob Black show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing in more. Thanks for putting up with me. I really appreciate it. Tell friends. I'm Rob Black. Talk to you soon.
1: You are listening to The Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money invested and more. Every day I start my day by opening up page one with briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. But on Wednesdays, I hold off because Patrick O'Hare kindly joins us each and every Wednesday. Mr. O'Hare, how are you today?
3: Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay, thanks. Good to be back with you.
2: It's good. To ha- it's good It's always good to have you, and it's always kind of reassuring. It's one of the things I like talking to strategists about, and you're my favorite strategist. And I really like the work that briefing does. Yesterday, I was a little checked out with soccer and a little bit of a flu, and then at the end of the day, I read through all the daily news that I needed to see at briefing.com. What is... Um, what do you i'm trying to sorry a little still flu um last month of the year is what i'm trying to get at um it's been a year where we've had a lot of headwinds that are now becoming tailwinds you know high oil has become lower oil Um, low interest rates have become high interest rates which should peak a lot of stories like that are out there at this point in time Um, where do you think we are um, heading to the last month of the year
3: well, I think uh, I'll be able to answer the question even better later this afternoon after we hear from Fed Chair Powell. But I'll give it a shot anyway. Um, I, say, I, I said what I just said because you know what we hear from him is going to you know, kind of help the market recalibrate. Uh, you know what the Fed's policy path is likely to be here. Uh, in the very near term, um, whether they uh, you know are going to be expected with a very hawkish mindset, or maybe kind of crack the door open to you know to kind of uh, take a little more of a uh, softer approach, perhaps. But you have a market, I think, in general that recognizes this is typically a seasonally strong period. The month of December is typically a good month for the market. And it's also a, a month where you tend to see quite a bit of corporate share buyback activity. And I think at its heart, you know, the market uh, would want to push things higher here into year end. But a lot of that will be dictated uh, really by, you know, the market's perspective on where uh, on monetary policy is likely to, to settle uh, and how the economy can handle Uh, whatever uh, Fed Chair Powell uh, is going to talk about today.
2: It's always interesting when Fed Chairman Powell or the Federal Reserve meet or there's notes from the Federal Reserve, the two days before the big announcement or the big press release or the big change, Wall Street seems to get a little defensive or a little aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I like what you're putting down there. Um, I see that today in your page one, you are again mentioning Fed Chairman Powell. But another thing you're talking about is the lockdown in China where the iPhone is produced. Um, It's something I've been talking about with people in the know. What do you think about China right now? Because it seems to be still very problematic to the world economy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I I, I think from, um, you know, from one perspective, it's it's kind of captures uh, the tone we have here in the U.S. in, in the sense that, uh, as it relates to the market outlook, that you have a market that wants things to be better, it's hopeful things are going to be better, and it sometimes gets ahead of itself in pricing in a better outcome. Uh, what's happening in China, of course, has uh, been very deleterious for the you know, global economy. Disrupted supply chains, It's interfered with logistics, it's led to uh, some of these persistently high inflation pressures uh, we've been experiencing. And, uh, and that, you know, so, so the market, I think, is looking at things really uh, very much on a relative scale as it relates to China. I right? things are still not good there. But one little step, you know, to, you know, perhaps lift a lockdown, and maybe in response to social protests, I don't think the government, obviously the Chinese authorities ever admit to that specifically, but to, you know, kind of respond, uh, as quickly. Uh, after what we saw over the weekend um, to make it possible for, um, you know, the area where the iPhone is produced to, to, to exit that lockdown. I think, I think the market sees it as a, a small step on a way toward uh, trying to uh, get out of the truly draconian zero-COVID approach, but it's a very, very small step, and I think it's going to be a process. It'll take a while, and I think you're going to see it uh, happen in fits and starts uh, not only in terms of the policies that's come, that are coming out of China, but in terms of how the the market here reacts to what's happening in China, a lot of fits and starts because um, you know Xi Jinping is not just going to you know roll over and all of a sudden say, oh okay, well there's some social protests, so I guess the people are right and I'm wrong. It, it's, it's just I just you know, don't believe that it's going to be that type of uh, approach, uh, you know, on his part. And so we're going to have to deal with these kind of fits and starts um, uh, with respect to to China, just as we're going to have to deal with the fits and starts as it relates to, you know, uh, the Fed policy here.
2: Many economists believe that the Federal Reserve raising interest rates is just pushing on a string, that the real change in inflation comes from, Job cuts. How important is this Friday's jobs report to the stock market, maybe settling in for a better outlook in 2023?
3: Well, I mean, it's very important, you know, and and then there'll be a, another CPI report on December 13th. That's also going to be very important, and okay. coincidentally, that comes out just before the, the next FOMC meeting. But uh, but I think we've seen in the price action, anyway, that the stock market desperately wants to have a sense that the Fed is is really getting close to the end of its rate hike cycle and might, you know, even though it might say it's going to hold there for longer when it gets to its terminal rate, might in fact have to blink and, you know, pivot to a rate cut cycle sooner rather than later. So if you can get data uh, such as the employment data, which has been a real focal point for for the Fed because they want to see uh, the labor market weaken, frankly, to help alleviate some of the wage-based inflation pressures, if you get weakened. You know, data on the on the jobs front, uh, the market, you know, could feel better about things uh, in a way as we start to move into 2023. Um, But I think that'll be a very you know kind of like myopic interpretation because what we also have to appreciate is that if you're going to get a real deterioration in the labor market that might keep the Fed from raising rates, you're you're also going to get a real deterioration in earnings growth. And that's gonna be the limiting factor uh for for the market as it relates to multiple expansion and, and trying to really get things going here in the early part of twenty twenty three. Uh, we've said many times uh, in, in prior appearances on your show, Rob, that you know, we expect earnings estimates to you know keep coming down for twenty twenty three and that the market has not priced that in yet. So, so you kinda of get, you know, something that might, you know, make be a palliative measure in the in the very short term, but when you take a step back and you realize that there's a trade-off for, uh, for the Fed stepping back from its aggressive rate hike policy, and the trade-off is that you're going to have a weaker economic environment that leads to weaker earnings growth, and earnings ultimately drive the market.
2: As I always try to give you a softball for the final question, what are you working on now that you think is important for us to pay attention to?
3: Well, I am going to be working on the, uh, our market view uh, for uh, for the next quarter, anyway, I mean, a lot of people are putting out you know their their look ahead pieces for the entire year next year. Yeah. Frankly, try not. Uh, I just don't like going that far out because the future is so unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen next week, let alone 13 months over the next 13 months. So, right. uh, so we'll be concentrating. We update our market view every quarter. Um, there will be some you know, fiscal 23 perspective in it, but um, but to try and take our readers kind of, you know, through a process of how we're thinking about the market over for the next quarter and how things might change as it relates to key fundamental drivers like interest rates and inflation and earnings and giving them some sense of what, uh, you know, directionality in terms of where the market is likely to go based on those fundamental drivers.
2: Thanks very much. I'm going to cut you off because we're having a little technical difficulties on our end with some static on the phone lines. It is briefing.com. Patrick O'Hare, he's with us every Wednesday at this time slot. Um, and I post it in my podcast so you can grab it. And I repost it on Friday's Best Of podcast because it's top-notch quality insights into the markets. Sorry, we had a little static on the phones this morning. Not sure what that's all about. But um, it is what it is. Thanks. So I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more talking, investing. Talking about nest eggs, talking about retirement, getting you to retirement is the goal of the show. Back in 20 years ago, back in the 1990s, early 2000s, it was really a show dedicated to beating the markets. And that's where I was as a 25 year old man. But now as a 50 year old man, I'm really starting to think more about how do we get to retirement? And a lot of you come along on the journey and I really, really appreciate it. Um, I think Patrick O'Hare has done a great job through time and his page one is something I start my day with every day. I try not to use any of his material on the show on Wednesdays because I want to save it for him. And he does a really, really nice job. Um, today at briefing.com in their stock market update, it's a wait and see trade in front of the fed chairman's Powell's speech at one 30 Eastern. That's 1030 our time. If you're watching the soccer, maybe poke your eye out to see what fed chairman powell has to say string from mega cap stocks are bolstering the index performance today upwardly revised third quarter gdp and gdp deflator indicating that growth was better than expected um that's an economic piece of data when you're like upwardly revised third quarter gdp and i'll tell you wall street doesn't care about that um it's old it's past we want we want to look six months in the future and i kind of like that um Patrick O'Hare just talked about how he doesn't like doing the 12-month predictions, but he's looking at the first quarter of 2023 at this point in time. Oh, and the other thing that Briefing.com noticed this morning is rising treasury yields. So that makes me go, how high? Um, And we'll get to that and much, much more as the show goes on. The 10-year treasury is, is really a strong force in making it easier for Wall Street to work or making it tougher for Wall Street to work. I'm Rob Black. Visit
1: the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth Certified Financial Planners online at robblackshow.com.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, and the NASDAQ. All started off stronger today and all have gone weaker. The Dow Jones Industrial Average and the SP 500 are in the red. The NASDAQ's barely holding on to an eight point gain. There's real reasons to be concerned. And I think, you know, just four of the headlines are pretty obvious today House moves to avoid a rail strike. Senate passes same sex marriage bill. Okay, we can strike that one. I don't think that's moving the market today, but House moves to avoid a rail strike. Everything we get, everything in my room right now, my office, Whether it be a monitor, whether it be a lamp, whether it be a computer, a microphone, whether it be a can of diet soda, all came to me via a truck from the factory or a train across the country. It's important to pay attention to things that can muck things up. The supply chain got mucked up with COVID, where ports became backlogged due to worker availability. But also, ports across the country went on strike, saying, you know, we don't really want to work during COVID. If we do, you want we want you to pay us more. So ports and ships got into part of the problem. Now it looks like trains are getting into part of the problem. Um, could we say that one year of supply chain disruption, why can't that be enough? It could be more. Elsewhere in headline news that I think are moving the market today, private hiring increases well below expectations. It's a little bit of a softening in the housing market. Will that play out into – I say the housing market? It's a little bit of a softening in the labor market. I, I think I have a head flu or a head cold because I was out yesterday and I'm much better today after resting and lots of water and some flu medicines, which the nighttime ones are much better than the daytime ones. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, but the private hiring increases were well below expectations, which should maybe show us in Friday's jobs report, unemployment creeping up. If unemployment doesn't start to creep up, we're still in the same old stock market. Stinky. Spotify CEO joins Elon Musk in slamming app store policies. That's part one of the two Apple stories today that I think are influencing the market. Eventually, Spotify users like you and Twitter users like you are going to say, we don't like Apple's policies and we want Congress to do something about it. I own shares of Apple. I need to legally disclose that. In the past, it hasn't really held up. If you get a billionaire who happens to say uh, congressional person from Florida or congressional person from georgia i'll give you money but in exchange for that i want to have a conversation with you about what apple's doing that could very well happen and the second apple story that is negative for the market today is iphone revenue may be significantly lower mid china disruption so you're seeing big estimate cuts continue to rain down on apple amidst china's manufacturing unrest it's pretty fascinating for me i don't know if it's for you I'm going to show off my hand that um, I'm a little bit of a financial nerd here to watch protests come out of China and you're like, what world do we live in? Are police really hitting people? And um, yeah, we don't live in a stable, happy ever after world in no way, shape or form. So what would I do with Apple at this point in time? Fortunately, I think they have a pretty good ecosystem tied towards that 30% cut that they get from um, apps. Unfortunately, if you go to the app store right now, it's crap. Um, It used to be, it's never been great. It's never been laid out intelligently. I, I don't, on a regular basis, go search for apps that I want. At the end of the year, we see lists on the best apps of the year, and I'll read that. And I'm like, ooh, I hear this weather app's the best app. It was labeled best app of the year, and I'll go find it. But I don't go actively searching the App Store. Do you? When I do, I see a lot of crap product and a lot of crap advertisements. Um, so I'm not concerned about Apple. I think they're going to have a rough, rough start of 2023 as far as numbers go. Do I think China will eventually get their stuff in line? Yes. I think Apple's doing everything they can to aggressively get into India and other markets to manufacture phones. Um which means the margins are probably be hurt because the cheapest labor in the world is China. And I used to say this jokingly in the 1990s, early 2000s, and I would be canceled if I, if this was my true opinion now, and it wasn't even my true opinion. It was a joke. I was trying to explain things to you in a humorous way. Um, I like wearing pairs of Nikes. I've always liked Nikes. It's the, you know, it's a brand story since I was 10 years old and a distance runner. um, If the shoes don't hurt your foot, you bought the shoe again. So I've never had major foot issues. So that's I've always bought Nikes. And in the 1990s, we learned more about Nikes are no longer made in America. They're being made in Taiwan. They're being made in China. And the headline news would on occasion go, Nike's a horrible company because they basically have factories that are basically women and children because they're easier to intimidate than men. But the labor cost is so cheap, Nike's just tempted by it. Now, this is 20 years later, um, and back 20 years ago, I would say something like, you know, uh, I'd rather have a $120 pair of Nikes and $200 pair of Nikes me on being selfish. If it was made in America, those Nikes would be $200. If it was made in China, those Nikes would be $120. And I am so embarrassed by that statement now, because I would throw in a joke of like, um, you know, children's hands are smaller so they can put the shoelaces in a little easier. And it's not cool. It's not even funny anymore. There is a labor issue to be said about as Apple shifts out of China, they're going to find more expensive labor in other countries. And they're also going to find it tougher to sell into China because China's going to say, hey, we're no longer your number one. You like India now. You like other areas now. So we're not going to give you benefits. We're not going to let you sell as many phones. Like there's, there's some drama issues there on China disruption right now. And finally, the last thing affecting today, and we'll know a little bit more in a couple hours, is stocks are wavering ahead of Fed Chairman Powell's speech. If he doesn't at least say we're going to slow down a little bit, I think Wall Street's going to be disappointed. If next week he raises interest rate 75 basis points, I think Wall Street's going to pull its hair out because we could all see the writing on the wall. Recession coming in 2023 brought to you by the Federal Reserve of the United States government. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com.